Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We're in John chapter 20 this morning. And this is actually picking up in a story we're going to pick up on just after Jesus has been resurrected. And we find, it's a, it's a famous story actually, it's what people would talk about, Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. So it's that story of when Jesus appears to the disciples and also to Thomas who doubted just after his resurrection. Verse 19, it says this, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, For fear of Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Imagine that. He's just totally out of the picture now. They said, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas said to them, unless I see the the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. Jesus performed, verse 30, many other signs in the presence of his disciples. This is the resurrected Christ, which are not recorded in this book, meaning the Bible. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in His name. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful story. I don't know if it resonates with you. Sometimes you know people who have experienced God in certain ways and you chat to them and say, this happened for me. You may have heard some of the testimonies this morning and said, you know, amazing that someone can have a dream and that they could be warned by God or whatever if you believe that stuff. But for me, I've never experienced that. So I'm not really sure. And I've got to have an experience for myself. You know, I meet many people who want an experience for themselves. And that's what Thomas wanted. And actually, to be quite honest, I think if I was him, I'd want the same thing too. That's what we're like. That's the way we're wired. We want proof. We want proof of the fact that this is Jesus. And when Jesus reveals himself, the Bible says it records that over 500 people saw Jesus after his death. That's just what we are told in the Bible, but I guess there were many more. But over 500 people saw the resurrected Christ. So if you're saying sometimes I meet many people, they say, the Bible, you know, I'm not really sure if I believe just what a few people had to say. Just They maybe just made up the story. Over 500 people independently saw the resurrected Christ. It's very difficult to get 500 people to stick to one story. It's very difficult to get two people to. But 500 people, it says, over 500 
saw the resurrected Christ. Unfortunately, Thomas at first didn't see this. And he was a little bit downtrodden by this. But I want to say to you today that seeing Jesus, the resurrected Savior, changes your whole perception on Christianity. It changes your whole perception on who Jesus actually is. I want to ask you first of all today, who is Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus? Some people know him as, I meet people, they say, oh yeah, he was a carpenter, he made things out of wood. That's all they know. He, he was this, he was a nice man, he did good things, you know, he helped people. Yes, I heard he prayed for people and they, the sick people and they got well. Some people know him for very different reasons, but to know him as the resurrected saviour, someone who can overcome the grave, who can die, give up his life, and then pick it back up again. You see, Jesus, many people say, well, I said it the other day on Good Friday, that he surrendered his, his life. People would say, well, they did, he didn't because the Roman soldiers did it to him. At any point, he could have stepped down from the cross. He could have called his angels, but he did it for a purpose. He did it for a reason, so that you and me might be free from sin. That he would pay the ultimate price, the sacrifice that was required for you to be free from sin. But the key is this. There are lots of people I meet, actually religious people, people who go to church, people I meet sometimes, and they seem to live life in that, This story, this 2,000-year-old story is just a 2,000-year-old story. And thank God he sent his son and that he died to pay for my sin. But they don't live in the knowledge and the understanding and the lifestyle of a resurrected king. That is a very different thing. I want to tell you today, you're in a church where we believe in the resurrection lifestyle. Where we believe there's life after death. There is something bigger and better than what you know. And it's not just about reading a story and saying, thank you God for doing that. It's about you living in the resurrected life. It's a pivotal day. These guys, they see this and they, you know, they see this in this house. He says they locked their doors. They were in fear of the Jewish leaders coming. I would be as well. They were following Jesus. But he says they were fearful and they hid behind the door. But then Jesus comes in through the door. Amazing. He gets through the locked door, first of all. I mean, that is pretty much amazing itself. That he doesn't need a key. Oh, I wish I was him. I lose my key all the time. I'm forever saying, I need one of those little bleepers. I lose my keys all the time. I need to have a big bunch so that I don't lose them. But Jesus rocks up and he comes in and he doesn't need a key. Forget Father Christmas for a minute, getting into the house. He can get through locked doors. This is the resurrected Christ. Now, he didn't do these kind of things before, but now he appears and he can go. We can see his body. He appears one place and then he appears another. He could, he could see 500 people independently. Because he's the resurrected Christ. It changes things radically for us. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to encourage you, don't just look at the book, the Bible, and say, well, he paid a a sacrifice. Yes, he did. He died for our sins. But he says, I want you to know what it is to live in the resurrected life. Because Jesus called us to follow him. When we follow him, it says we pick up our cross, we follow him, that means we have to suffer sometimes. There is persecution coming to the church. We see all the time you turn the news on, don't get discouraged, because Jesus said persecution is going to come. People are saying, I don't understand why this is happening to the Christians. I'll tell you why it's happening, because Jesus said it would. He said it would happen. It's true. The reality is that the enemy wants to, to ruin and kill out truth. But we stand firm. But the truth is this, that when we stand firm in his word, we live under the resurrected lifestyle. We follow the resurrected king. We don't follow Jesus, a Jesus who's going to the cross and going to die and it all goes wrong. No, no, no. We follow someone who has risen from the dead. (sighs) For me today, that changes my whole perception on Christianity. The resurrection reveals that he was no ordinary man. He was no ordinary man. I want to read to you a quote from a guy called Timothy Keller. He's an author, pastor, but he wrote this. I think it's very profound. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept, he said, 
all he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about of what he said? Any of what he said, sorry. The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Some of you might not like his teaching. Oh, I don't like this. I'm going to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Pick and mix religion. Oh, you meet them all the time. They like to pick the best bits. We all like doing it. But listen to me. Persecution is going to come on the pick and mix. It's going to come. You're going to get Christianity. It's not a perfect lifestyle. But Jesus says to us today that if you, if you understand that I rose from the dead, then you must accept everything I say because he has overcome the grave. Which man, which person in the world has ever overcome death? No one. He says, if you understand this concept, Timothy Keller, if you understand that Jesus was risen from the dead, if you understand this, then you need to believe everything he said. I want to ask you today, do you question the word of God? Do you question the Bible? The resurrection changes everything. And the disciples faced this resurrection. They were downtrodden. They were thinking, what on earth is going wrong? Our Messiah has been killed Look at this, we'll lock the door, hide away, hope no one finds us. This has all gone wrong. The Jewish leader is going to be after us. Everything is going wrong. Until he rocks up and says, no it isn't. Do you understand? You chose the best option. You chose the best thing because I am alive. Today he says the same to us. You're saying maybe today, well why doesn't he, if he could show up to 500 people, show himself to me when I'm washing the pots in my house with the door locked. I'd like, I'd like to see Jesus in his physical resurrected form. But what did he say? He says, blessed are those who don't see but still believe. I, do you know what? I'm glad today that by his Holy Spirit, I don't need to see with my physical eyes. Because the Holy Spirit reveals truth in our hearts, says who Jesus is and reveals truth. I don't need him necessarily to walk through the door. Because his Holy Spirit is here. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. Come on, come on. Now, I want to just look at today of what it means for us to live in resurrected lifestyle. You see, Jesus said to Martha, Lazarus' sister, you've heard of the story in Lazarus. He's another guy. He dies, but he also is risen from the dead. Jesus visits someone who's died. His sisters are distraught. They're so upset by him dying. And he comes upon the scene and Jesus calls Lazarus out of his tomb. Whoa, I'd have loved to have been there that day. What an amazing service. That was the service to be at, wasn't it? When someone's dead, and then he says, come out. And he calls him out of his grave. He calls him out in front of everyone, and every eye sees that Jesus can speak a word and bring life into a death and circumstance. I'd have loved to have been there. I don't know about you. Jesus said this to Martha. When she was worried, saying, everything's going wrong, if you'd have only got here a bit earlier, blah, blah, blah. He turns around and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, it doesn't matter that I'm lit. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. If you die today, do you know if you're going to live? Does your soul know where it's going? I want to ask you that question today because it's so important. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Hallelujah. I'm so glad about that. Because we ain't got long, have we? We ain't got long on this earth. And you really look at it, we haven't got long. And I'm glad that I believe. He says this at the end. He says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He says this. Do you believe this? That's the question to you today. That's not from me. That's from Jesus himself. Do you believe this? Jesus broke through the limits of the grave. They put him in this grave. They put him in this dark place. Now I want you to imagine that. This place, they rolled the stone away. 
over the door and he is in pitch black. He cannot see anything. It's dark. There's no light. He's in this place and he's on his own and he's dead. And now what's going to happen next? We know three days later that he rose from the dead. Amen. But I want to ask you today. In your life, you can be in very, very similar circumstances. That your life has been limited by the confines of things. That you find yourself almost like you're in your own tomb. You find doubt is an issue. You found fear is an issue. Life has put you in your tomb. And Jesus says, listen, it's not about religion. It's about you realizing you have the power in you to break free. The title of the message today is this, Life Beyond Limits. Life Beyond Limits. Some of us today are in our places, this, these places of restriction. We find ourselves just like Jesus did for that moment. And just like the picture shows, you need a sledgehammer to get out. Listen, God wants to help you today to break out and to live this resurrection lifestyle. Amen. The first thing today I want to say is this, that you need to do, you need to go beyond your confines. Now what are your confines today? What are the things that are restricting you? We read earlier in John chapter 20 verse 19, he says this, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now I want you to get something for a moment. They have just followed Jesus around. They're a happy bunch. Now things have gone all wrong in their eyes. Things are not looking good. That They lock their doors and they hide from the Jewish leaders. Picture this for a moment. Their confines were limited to their house. They found themselves restricted, locking the doors, worried about what would happen. So they were fearful and in their place of confinement. And today maybe you are saying, do you know what? I'm not locking the door necessarily, but there are things in my life where I'm gripped by fear. There's things in my life where I don't live this resurrection lifestyle you're talking about. I'm living in a sense of fear. I'm living in a sense of constraint. I'm living in a sense of confinement and I feel fearful to move on. But I want to tell you today that there is hope because the the one who you serve is the one who can go through doors. If he can go through doors, he can take you out of them. If he can come in through your locked doors of confinement in your places in your life, if he can break into that circumstance, breathe new life and come into them, he can take you out of them. I don't know if you've seen that, but I love the fact that if I lock the door and I've got fear and things in my life, he's going to take me out if I want him to. You see, he comes in, he arrives in this place of limitation and they must have been fearful saying, and, 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 and saying, you know, we're scared what's going to happen. And he says, peace be with you. In other words, he says, I want to bring peace into this circumstance. You are all worried about life. You're worried about what is going on in the physical outside these doors. You're locking your doors because you're so scared of what's happening outside. Let me tell you, my word to you is this, not go on, get outside. He says, peace be with you. In other words, peace into your circumstance, peace into your worries, peace into your fear. You know, we're not designed for confinement, are we? We're not designed for restriction. Jesus didn't want us to be restricted or confined. When we were made in his image, we were made to be free. Come on. Do you know, I found myself many years ago, I used to work, I may have told this story before, but please forgive me if I have. But I I used to work for a hotel in the center of Cambridge, one of the well-known hotels. And I used to work on the concierge doing bags and taking people's bags. And it was a brilliant, it's one of my favorite jobs, just talking to people, meeting them. And I had to do the work, carrying the bags upstairs, driving. I had to drive Porsches, unfortunately, and things like that. And, and Lamborghinis. I, I drove all these cars. It's a really unfortunate part of the job. But I did this. And the really unfortunate part was that when the car park f- was full on Friday night, we had, unfortunately had to drive these Ferraris around the town. Sometimes I script them. It was interesting. The insurance policies were great. 
But I remember one time I was working, I grabbed the bags. It was a very busy job, always going in and out, doing work. And I found myself, I walked into the lift. We pulled the trolley in, the gold trolley with all the bags on. And I pulled them in with my suit on. And I, and I went into the lift and pressed the button and went up just one floor. And as I was going up in the floor, all of a sudden the lift broke. Yeah, oh, thank you. The lift broke. Now the problem for me is that ever since I've been a young boy, I've suffered with claustrophobia. I've suffered with small spaces. When, when people wanted to go on trips caving, I never went. Oh. I never went on these trips because I found that I was scared of small spaces. I didn't like being in a restricted place. And I, I was in this lift, and if you didn't, if you didn't know this, I, this is where I met my dear wife, Emma. I met her, and she worked on reception. Now, imagine this. You're restricted in this confined area. No one can really hear what you have to say. They can't hear your voice. The only person at the other end of the phone on reception was my wife, who was there to help me get out. I phoned her up, and she put the phone down, I think, and left me there. What an opportunity. Can't hear him anymore. Leave him in there. No, I phoned her up. She said, she was my only help. And I phoned her. I said, I'm actually stuck in the lift. Well, all around this lift, there were mirrors staring back at me, reminding me of my situation. That you're stuck in this small, confined area with just a couple of cases. I was thinking, I wonder what's in the cases. I might have to eat the goods of whatever people have put in these cases. I could be here for a long time. That's a warrant to go in their cases to survive. So I used the phone, speak to someone. They said, we're going to get you out soon. I was in there nearly an hour and a half while they had to physically winch this, this lift back down. But listen to me. Whether you're claustrophobic or not, whether you feel like that or not, we are not designed for small spaces. We're designed to be free. When I found myself in that place of limitation and confinement, I realized that it just wasn't natural. I had to be out. And for some of you today, you're so used to this. You're so used to life in confinement and the living like this. You've got no idea what it is to live the resurrection lifestyle. To be free. And God is calling you today, whether you know him or not, as your own personal savior. He's saying, do you know there's something greater than this? That you've got so used to your life. There is something greater. That I did not just die for you on the cross to pay for your sin, but I paid for your life to be free. When Jesus said, I've come to give abundant life, he meant it. Go beyond your confines today. Has church become your tomb? Some people come to church, they find that this becomes their safe haven. It's their place where they feel in this sense of safety. They lock the door on the world. They say, this is the only place where I feel safe. This is the only place where I'm going to lock the door in as I spend these couple of hours worshipping God. But listen to me, God wants you in resurrection life to be bigger than church. So that when you walk outside, you're not using this as your tomb. He wants it to be bigger. And that's what I believe God wants to do today. He says, I want to give you an even greater perspective because I love you. I want to give you greater perspective on a life with me. Jesus wants to break your locks today. He wants to come in. He is the best locksmith you're ever going to find. And he will come in and take control. Peace be with you, he said. The fear caused them to see within their confines. They, they saw this. And do you know what was amazing is they saw, it says, he, he then comes in and he shows them his hands and his feet. And this, he says they were overjoyed when they saw this. They were, in a sense, it become a shrine to them. That the presence of God, what they were seeing, become this sense of, we feel safe again. We're looking at his hands. We're seeing this. And some of us can make church our tomb. We can come here and it's the safe haven. We come, we experience the presence of God. We see amazing things. We see miracles. We see all these things happen just like they looked at the hands. But we're still confined. We're still confined and limited. But what happens next is key. Jesus does this. He says, peace be with you. But then he adds an extra little bit on. As the Father has sent me, verse 21 to 22, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you thought that he's just going to give you some wise words of life coach counseling to try and get out of your circumstance, you're wrong. 
If you think that Christianity is about, he's going to come in and he's going to give you A to Z in a book of how to get out of your circumstance and your locked doors, you're wrong. Because he says, peace be with you. And they were probably thinking, that's okay for you. But we're scared. We're finding things difficult. But then he says, I'm sending you. In fact, he's saying to them, I'm not here for a visitation for you to all get excited. I've come here for you to go. To get out of your doors and get out of this place. And to do it, you're going to need something. What? You're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. There it is. There's the key. If you're saying, oh, well, I don't know. I can experience this. I'm waiting for Jesus to tell me how I'm going to do this. Then A to Z. No, no, no. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. When they receive the Holy Spirit, it gives them the authority and power and boldness to overcome fear and to get through those locked doors. Because he says, I am sending you. He didn't call us to have a little meeting together in a house and hide with the doors locked. That's why we put some glass doors on so people can see inside. He didn't call us to sit here every Sunday doing that. He called us to go out into all the world so that the kingdom of God is revealed. Hallelujah. The visitation that he made to them wasn't about staying. It was about going. It's always about going, sending, getting out of your circumstance. And today he says to you, if you want to break free from your confines, if you are finding life a struggle, I want you to be encouraged today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the only thing that you look at the Bible that changes people like Peter from someone who denied Christ with fear to give him boldness to go and preach his sermon on the book of Acts in, in the first part of Acts and see three 3,000 people come to Christ. What changes a man from someone who is fearful of people who denies Christ three times to go and stand in front of thousands of people declaring that he is the Savior? What does it? It is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I want to ask you today, that if you want to be free, you need the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, says the Bible. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And He wants to bring freedom into our circumstances. I want to encourage you today, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit at the end today, maybe to come into your circumstances, give an opportunity for you to say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit that brings resurrection lifestyle. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. But there's something else about that confinement. And that is this, that Lazarus, when Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, he goes up and he calls him out of the tomb. What happens next is this, Lazarus appears with all of his grave clothes. He comes out from the tomb with his grave clothes and stands there. What's the next thing Jesus says to him? He says, get rid of his grave clothes. You can be resurrected, you can start to walk out of the tomb, you can start to make your way out, but you're still restricted with the old grave clothes. He says, he doesn't say, hey guys, let's have a look at this, look at, I've just resurrected someone from the dead, isn't that amazing, let's have a meeting, let's sing a song. He says, get rid of those grave clothes. They don't belong to him anymore. He's not a dead person, he's alive. And for some of you today, you're saying, oh, I, I kind of am halfway there, I'm resurrected, I feel this resurrection lifestyle, but you're still wearing the grave clothes. Notice this, there's one thing Jesus left behind in the tomb, his grave clothes. He didn't take them with him, he left them inside. And we need to leave them too. But some of us, we like our grave clothes, we're hanging on to them. They're comfortable. That sense of familiarity, that sense of feeling of this is, this is where I feel comfortable, this is where I've been, this reminds me of that confinement where I was but Jesus says to you today, listen I want you to get rid of every single memory because you are not living that lifestyle you are new, behold the new has come come on get rid of the grave clothes they don't belong to you anymore number two today is this Go beyond your doubts. Go beyond your doubts. Boy, oh boy, don't we have doubts. I doubt quite a lot. I doubt quite a lot. I'm the pastor. We doubt 
Because we doubt, because that's what the way we're made. We're natural, we're flesh. And when the flesh is battling with the spirit, the spirit brings truth. But the flesh is saying, this is not true. It's not real. That's the battle we're in. But the truth is this. The truth is that whether you doubt him or not, it doesn't change Jesus. Your doubts don't change him. Now, I love the fact that these guys see, they're all in the house together. And they see Jesus. And I don't know if you've had these kind of circumstances before. And then Thomas comes, he rocks up. He's probably banging on the door because they've locked the door again. Someone's lost the key saying, can you get the key? We need to get, we need, let Thomas in. He's coming in. Then he comes in. The first thing they say is Thomas would have heard by the way by now that lots of people have been seeing Jesus. You know, 500 people have seen Jesus. People are getting a glimpse, but he's not. Have you ever been that person who everyone seems to see except you? Everyone's seen something except you and you're waiting. Fireworks in the sky. Did you see? This, what just happened, and you miss every time. Thomas rocks up and he goes in the house and they say, you won't believe this, Thomas. We have seen Jesus. He showed us his hands. It was amazing. And he's there and he doesn't say, as much as he's friends with him, he doesn't say, you're joking, this is amazing. Guys, I believe. He looks at them and says, unless I'm like you, and I see like you've seen, I ain't going to believe. He's clear, isn't he? He's clear in what he says. He says, unless I see the way you've seen and experience what you have, I'm not going to believe. Some of you are like that today. You're saying, ah, it's good for you. But I want to see it for myself. I want personal revelation. I want to put my fingers in the holes in his hands until I believe. If I see it, then I'll believe. Do you know that faith... The only way that you'll ever build in your faith is if you don't see things straight away. My faith is growing more the more I don't see, but I act. I've noticed that. The more I see, it's not really faith, is it? It's fact. I don't want to live my life on facts. I want to live my life on faith. That's the way the kingdom of God operates. But listen to this. I don't know if you've seen this before. But they're in their confinement. They've seen Thomas doesn't believe. He says, I've got to see it to believe it. The first time. He said, I've got to see it. But then the second week, uh, sorry, a week later, they're together again in the house. Now you think that a week later, they would have learned from their mistakes. You think that if Jesus has rocked up in your house, got through your security system, arrived Come in the house, said, peace be with you. You need the Holy Spirit to get out because I'm sending you. You would think by then that you would not be fearful. But have you noticed that some of us, we don't learn from our mistakes. A week later, it says this. The disciples were in their house again. And Thomas, this time, was with them, thankfully. Though the doors were Locked. One week later, after seeing the resurrected Christ, saying, peace be with you, breathing on them, received the Holy Spirit, they find a week later that they're in the house locking the doors again. The Holy Spirit is not a force that is going to come upon you, magically change you so that all fear just goes. Everything goes perfect in your life and you can unlock the doors. No, it's always about faith. Because a week later, Jesus rocks up and I think he comes not only to show himself to Thomas, but to prove that you are already doubting yourselves, guys. You see, everyone blames Thomas, but they lock the doors. Everyone's blaming Thomas. Poor Thomas gets doubting Thomas as the name. What about the doubting group of people who keep locking the door? No one recognizes those. We all put doubting Thomas. The reason is because every one of us in this room all doubt at some point. We find it hard because life circumstances keep hitting us hard. And we find it hard to believe. But I believe Jesus in his love and mercy does this to reveal our hearts, to reveal how fragile we are, to reveal that he wants to be with us to the end of the age and he doesn't want to leave us or forsake us because he knows that we're weak in our flesh. He doesn't leave you, but we live a lifestyle of constant believing. Sometimes we doubt and then he comes and helps us again. A week later, they're in there with the doors locked again. 
Maybe your tomb today is your doubt. Maybe you found that you've been a Christian for 20, 30 years. Maybe just a few years, months. But you feel some days you wake up and there's doubts. You feel, I had an experience. I remember seeing, just like they did, seeing the hands and the feet. I had an experience. I'm going to try and hang on to that experience because that's the thing that got me going. Listen to me. Old experiences are not the thing that is going to bring, keep your faith going. You need constant, constant relationship with Jesus. You can't keep going off a miracle that happened five years ago to keep, to base your faith on. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't want you to anchor on to old miracles saying that's how I'm going to base my faith of what happened on Sunday the 23rd of whenever. And I remember seeing this amazing miracle in church. That's where I'm going to pinpoint my faith to and that's where it's all going to stand on. Because we've seen already that even you can see the the holes in his hands. You can see the hole in his side. You can see the resurrected Christ get through breaking through security systems in front of your eyes. But yet one week later you doubt. It's because he wants to do something fresh and new every single day. He's amazing. Do you know Jesus doesn't give up on your doubts? For you to go beyond your doubts, he wants you to keep going, but he does not give up on you when you doubt. There's the good news, eh? Because I'm going to show you something here. In Mark chapter 11, verse 20 to 23, the story of when Jesus, this is before he goes to the cross, Jesus is walking with his disciples one day, and he goes past the fig tree. And he sees the fig tree. He sees this fig tree and he curses the fig tree because it's not fruitful. He does it as a sign to show the guys because the next day they walk past the fig tree, see that it's withering and dying up from the roots and they see this fig tree dying. And look at what it says in verse 20. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. This is the day after when Jesus had done this. Peter remembered, verse 21, Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus' response is this, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, I don't know about you, but I've not seen anyone casting any mountains around, especially in Cambridge. Maybe if I go up to Yorkshire, I might be able to find a few hills. Try that out, you know. I'm going to really, really believe and cast this mountain. What, what he's saying is this. He's not saying, you know, I want you to go around Cambridge now, casting things around and moving things. He says this. You, if you tr- do you realize the power that is available to you if you believe? Do you understand it? No, I don't think you do. You've not comprehended, he said. If you grab hold of the reality and truth of this, you'll see, if you understand it, that you can do this. The problem is that your doubt gets in the way. Have faith in God. You see, I'm seeing certain things at the moment. I see certain miracles. Sometimes things don't happen. Do you know why I don't? I believe sometimes? Because I just don't really have the faith for it. And I believe that God reveals our faith to us, our levels of faith. He lets us operate in our levels of faith. But the more and more we operate, believing and trusting him and not ourselves. And I want to encourage you today that you can get over these things. You can get out of your circumstances, even though sometimes you doubt when the enemy comes and brings doubt into your mind. He says, I want to give you the power to break free from your doubt, to get above and beyond But our biggest problem today is in our minds. Our minds get in the way every time. Our minds tell us, no, this is not possible. Just stick to the natural. Stick to what you know. Don't think about supernatural things. Don't think that you can live above and beyond in a resurrection lifestyle. That's only for Jesus. No, Jesus called you to follow him. That's to the cross and that's to the lifestyle. We doubt and forget sometimes. You know, for some of us today, moving a mountain is one thing. Moving a mountain, speaking to a mountain to move is one thing. But some of us, just the simplest things in our life, just to move one thing is difficult. But he says today, I want to give you, by my Holy Spirit, the faith and the belief to understand that you can speak into these issues and bring life. Notice this, that when he meets Lazarus at the tomb, He doesn't go in and start 
shaking him or waking him up. He he calls him forth. Do you realize that as a believer, the words that we have as a believer, when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we live resurrection lifestyle, do you know this, that what we say, we have the power of our words to breathe life? I've seen it for myself. I've seen that sometimes if we really truly believe when we command and speak life into situations, God responds to faith and life comes from our words. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Come forth. He wants to help you today so that when you speak, there is a faith in authority and boldness in what you say to know that when you speak, you are speaking life. That's not just praying, that's commanding. That's commanding into circumstance. That's commanding your way out of the hole. That's commanding your way out of your tomb. Because he wants some people today to be set free from this. Some of you say, well, is Jesus going to get me to do everything? Have I got to break free from this tomb all by myself? Let me tell you this. Even Jesus had help to get out of his tomb. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 2, he says this. First, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, not and said, come out, Jesus, and sat on it. That's what it says. The word of God says the angel came. The tomb stone rolls away. This violent earthquake only from the creator of heaven and earth could it come. Speaks life. Speaks life. The angel comes down in assistant to the son of God and sits on the tombstone. Jesus walks out without anyone knowing. Jesus wants to help you today. Do you realize that we have available to us the same things that he has available? Angels in assistance. If he called, if he was in that tomb and a violent earthquake came and the, the, the natural elements changed and then the angel came down from heaven, supernatural activity releases him from his confinement. Do you realize today that we have the same availability? Do you realize that when he says the kingdom of God has come to such as these, he's talking about the kingdom of God being in operation. When you speak life and you command, you can also have available to you. If you believe and say, God, send angels for me to assist me and protect me. Send angels for me to release me and and open up doors for me so that I can get through these circumstances. Will you put angels around me, Lord? If they came and assisted you, please let them have come to me. Into my circumstance. He doesn't say it's just for me. It's for you. Go beyond your doubts. Finally. The last one is this. Go beyond your belief. Now some people think. Go beyond my belief. Well if I believe in God. How can I go any further? The truth is this. That some people. They do treat. Their, their tombs in their life. A religion. They're restricted in religion. They find themselves that they look like the best Christian you've ever met. But actually, truthfully, it's just religion. It's just religion. And actually, it becomes every single week, we become so religious and so used to what we're doing, it's actually not freedom. It's not the freedom lifestyle that God called you into. I'm so glad today I come to a church where I am not stuck to rules and regulations. That I come and there's a freedom to worship my God. There's a freedom in spirit and truth. And let me ask you today, are you in a place where you see your view of Christ is just religion? You find yourself restricted in this place of confinement. And you believe he is who he says he is. But you don't believe his word. I meet people who believe, yes, Jesus is God, he's the son of God. But when you talk to them about the word of God, you said, do you realize that he said we could do greater things than he did? They don't want to hear it. You speak to people and say, we can pray for the sick and believe the sick to be healed. He told, he told us to go into all the world and told us he'd sent us to do this. What about this? And some people said, no, healing's not for now. It was for then when the church began. I'll tell you what, if there's any time we need people to start rising up and start living the lifestyle that we're called to be, the resurrection lifestyle, it's now. 
Do you think that the church is going to get worse and he's going to say, I'm going to withdraw my spirit so you can't do the things that happened in the early church? No, I believe today he's saying, I want to see an even greater measure. If only my people will come and pray. If only my people will come and act for me. But some people get into this own little restriction. They get into their tombs and they begin to say, listen, I don't believe in that. We need to just do what we're doing. It works. We're safe with this. Lock the doors. Stay here. Let's stay comfortable. Let's just talk. We'll enjoy the presence of God. We'll enjoy that, but we ain't going to go any further. We're not going to really believe the word that we can do this, what it says. No, 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 that's for them. They, they were bold characters. That was for a time of the early church. No. He says today, I want you to go beyond your belief. Belief is just one thing. Acting in faith is another. I want to encourage you today to break free from religion. Break free from the characteristics of religion and say, I want to live the lifestyle that you call. I'm not called to be in this place of confinement. You see this. John chapter 20, 30 to 31, we read earlier. It says this. Jesus performed many other signs. It was referring to the signs we've just seen in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. In other words, there were lots more things that happened that are not even recorded in the Bible. You've only got a taster. He says there's lots more things that Jesus did in front of his disciples that are not even recorded in the book that you've got. And boy, is there a lot. But he says this, verse 31. But these, these signs, are written that you may believe That Jesus is the Messiah, that's the belief, the Son of God, and that by believing, so here we go, this is the byproduct byproduct of believing. So in other words, these signs are there so that you can believe, you can understand that he is the Son of God, he is who he says he is. But listen, by believing, you may have life in his name. Now there is the difference. I know people who believe God, they look so religious, you know, they could be in the next movie, film, Christian film. They could be in the Passion of Christ. They could be in all these, they look so religious, but truthfully, they don't believe the word of God. They don't believe and act this Christian lifestyle that says we live in a resurrected lifestyle. There's something above and beyond just believing. It's acting in faith. When life Limits us. We need to believe in God's provision for us. We need to believe when life comes in on us that there is something greater. That he has everything in his hands. I love the story earlier, the testimonies that came through. Because I love when people obey even though though they might lose something. I love the fact that she says, I said, did you lose any money? It would have been a great story. She said, no, I didn't lose anything. But she says, yeah, I did. But I'm not bothered about money. Because that's not... That's not the meaning. She's more happy to be in the alignment of God. And I want to encourage you to do the very same. Because the enemy wants us to get in a place of comfort. Just believing. Not going any further in acts of faith and obedience. There is life in his name. Believing's one thing, but life is another. Life in his name. Apostle Paul said this. Through Jesus, he said, in Romans... We reign in life. Have you ever got that? We reign in life. I'll tell you what, sometimes I wake up on Monday mornings and things have been going wrong. I don't believe like I'm reigning in life. Life gets hard. And I can't sometimes understand what Paul was saying. How can I be reigning in life when things are going wrong? Just a few weeks ago, we, had a, we got a tumble dryer and the thing broke and I had a guy in to fix it. And he came in and he fixes the tumble dryer. And I stood and chatted to this guy. I was witnessing to him, actually. Chatting to the guy outside in the garage. We got a tumble dryer in our garage. And I thought, when he fixes this, everything's going to be sorted. Emma is going to be able to do a washing and not put everything on the radiators. Because she was just she was putting pressure on me to say, get this sorted. We need to get the, the tumble dryer working. So I sorted the tumble dryer. I thought, I cannot wait till this guy goes and I can phone her and say, it's fixed. Everything's done. Till the end of it, he fixes the tumble dryer. 
And he says to me, I've just got to do a few tests before we move on. And he plugs his electric test meter into our plug socket and tells me that our whole electrics in the garage have failed. And that he cannot plug the tumble dry back in. I realized that actually life was getting worse. Now the tumble dry wasn't working. The whole electrics in the garage were failing the test. I thought, God, where are you? I serve you. I give to you. I do all these things for you. Where are you now? Why can't you just, and I said, can't you just check it again? See if it does another reading. Let's just pray. And nothing happened till he signs off and condemns the whole garage. Now you would say, I'm not reigning in life. You'd say, is that really reigning in life in Christ when the whole thing goes wrong? And you're thinking straight away, how much is another tumble dryer? What am I going to do? How can I fix the electrics? What's the cost? All the cost implications start going through my mind. Everything gets took over. We're not reigning in life. But do you know what? I just trusted God. I thought, well, things break. Things go wrong. We're not living in a life that we're protected from these things. So I just trusted God. Do you know, God in this last week's already blessed us with something as we've just acted in faith and he's blessed us and I believe we're going to be okay. Things are fine, but I believe he's looked after us because I don't look at these problems as problems. I look at them and say, God, if there's a problem, I I am reigning in life, not because the tumble dryer is working. I'm reigning in life because you are with me and nothing will stop me. But the enemy wants us to concentrate on these kind of issues. John 10 verse 10 in the message says this. I came so that they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's not about things going right. Tumble dry being fixed. That's about a life that says I am living with resurrection power inside of me that sees above and beyond the circumstances in life. When life limits us, we need to believe for God to provide for these things. Mountains can move. Religious tombs need to be broken from today so you can get beyond belief and you can start to act in faith. Amen. Jesus wants us to have life. Not just this morning, but every day. Not just in Easter Sunday. But every day of our lives to have life abundantly. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.